we are in a new series called Pressure. Turn to the person next to you and say, Pressure. No, no, say it, say it like you're really under pressure. Say, Pressure. There you go. There you go. I've got, we're gonna, it's going to be a four-part series. And let me give you kind of the goals of this. You can write these down. Here's my goals with this series. Number one, to see every Church on the Hill member tooled to not just survive, but to thrive through the pressures of life. Friend, let me tell you something. Pressure is inevitable. Difficulty is inevitable. We don't want to just survive it. We want to thrive in the midst of it. Isn't that good? Say yes. And then the second goal with this series is that each of us learns how to depressurize our lives the God way. There's a lot of people depressurizing. They're using alcohol. They're using marijuana. They're using, you know, uh, you know go, uh, road rage, whatever they're doing. And, uh, and, and, and it's causing, um, you know, them to release that pressure that's built up. But what happens is they end up being addicted to the very medication that they're trying to use to depressurize. And that's where we're getting alcoholism in the church. I mean, we're having all these difficulties uh, with folks still smoking dope as, and they're believers. And the Bible is very clear. When it says it like this, divert here, when it says that uh, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, what the Bible is, what God's trying to do is saying, listen, I know that you try to medicate using these other things, but if you'll just be filled with the Holy Spirit, you won't have to worry about all these other pieces that you're trying to make work in your life to take the edge off the pain and the suffering and the difficulty in your work environment at home and all these other places. And so that's my goal is to help tool you, to help you get to the place where you can depressurize without having a problem with becoming addicted to some type of medical type process that you're trying to do that the world says is okay. And the third goal that we have with this series is that we would embrace God's plan of expanding us through pressure. God is going to put pressure in your life to expand you because he wants to use you to great things. And pressure is what causes those things to expand. My, as a minister, what I get told all the time, I have this statement given to me many times uh, throughout the week. Pastor, I just can't take it anymore. I get told that all the time. I, I just can't take it. I can't take it. So I want to kind of illustrate kind of what's happened in our lives many times when it comes to pressure. Come on, let's, let's fill this up a little bit. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I end up in a lot of environments. Ooh, that's loud. There it is. So I end up in a lot of environments where people are constantly needing prayer because the pressures of life keep expanding them and pushing them to the breaking point. And it's amazing when that starts happening, what happens to us. And who knows where the breaking point really is, right? I mean, is it there or do you have more? And, and, you know, oh my Jesus, I love you so much. Boy, I tell you, those rubber factories are doing good jobs these days. Let me just throw that out there. Well, what I love about this whole process of God stretching us and then life putting pressure in us is that it pushes us to the place that can we take it? How much more can we take? And I get told this all the time. I, I see it in marriages. People are like, I can't take it anymore. I'm not going another step. I see it in jobs and places in their work. I see it in all types of venues where people literally are struggling to take on another thing. They just can't take it. They're like, listen, if this thing goes any more like this, Pastor, I'm leaving, I'm quitting. You see it in church life? Wow. How much can you take? This is the, it's going to happen right here, right now, in Jesus' name. Don't hurt me, please. I love you. So how did your pastor get scarred at church across his face again? How did he? Bless the Lord. Uh, one of the most famous preachers about 10, 12 years ago, 
uh, who happened to be a friend of mine, thank you, happened to be a friend of mine, uh, was exposed uh, for um, being in homosexuality and drugs and things like that. And, and when they asked him, how did this happen? He was such a great man of God, a new person. He said, the pressures of the ministry in life. He said, I felt like I was on a merry-go-round that was going so fast that I didn't know how to get off of it. I didn't know how to make all of the stuff stop. So the only thing I knew to do was to crash it. I don't know if you saw recently in Christian News, one of the more popular pastors just got removed from his position as a pastor uh, for alcoholism. And they, they took him and, and, and tried to rehab him and, and it just wasn't working or whatever. And so they removed him from his position as a pastor because he was medicating with all the pressures of life with alcohol instead of like we said, the Bible says. And I thought it was kind of interesting that just last year, the year before, he wrote a book called Overwhelmed and how to overcome being overwhelmed and pressurized and stressed out. It's a very valid point that we're dealing with in the church today and within my life and your life and all of our lives is the pressures of this life. Today we're going to start with talking about and we're going to move into family next week, but we'll start with today and the workplace. Uh, for stay-at-home moms, that your workplace is at home, you can't get any more difficult than toddlers running around. In fact, I think I would rather just, you know, I think I would rather give enemas to elephants than be a stay-at-home mom and try to care for toddlers. And th- I just, I would. And, and I think that uh, also connect this workplace thing to college and high school and the pressures that, so when we talk about this today, if you're in college, you're in university, you're in high school, you're in junior high, you're in the workforce, or you're a stay-at-home mom, whatever work that you do, this will apply to you today. And we've got a key scripture today out of John chapter 16, verse 33. Look at this, and I want you to hold on to this. I want you to memorize it. I want you to write it down, and I want you to quote this verse all throughout the days to come uh, for the next uh, five, six, seven days. And it says it this, John 16, 33. It's on the screen. It says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Look what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen, in this world you're going to have pressure, man. You're going to have troubles and difficulties and hardships, but I'm telling you these things so that you can take on my peace. I'm trying to give you peace. In me, you'll find peace. And listen, I've overcome everything that's causing you pressure, stress, turmoil, difficulty, causing you not to be able to say, I have already overcome it. Take my peace because I have peace for you to walk in. Friend, listen, by the end of this today, you're going to realize I know how to walk. You're going to start realizing how to walk in peace. You're going to start making it a goal to be a person who walks in the peace of God. And the pressures of this life is not going to destroy you. You will not burst because you just can't take it any longer. You're not going to destroy your marriage. Come on, somebody. You're not going to destroy your job. You're not going to destroy your relationships. You're not going to destroy your children. Why? Because God is going to give you the ability to overcome all the pressure and not just walk through it, but overcome it in Jesus name isn't that good say yes let me give you a couple of stats just where we're at MSN did an article in February I don't know if you saw this thought it was hilarious and in this article they in February they now say that 28 is now the new age for a midlife crisis 28 I'm just now hitting 45. I was ready for my midlife crisis. I was going to get a Harley. I was going to get some extra. Ta- I was going to get some tattoos. I was going to get me some gold rings, you know, and kind of stuff. Start working out a lot. And now I realize I missed it. It was at 28. You got to be kidding me. You got to be kidding me. 
And so what they were saying in this article, and, 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 and you know, all these people were chiming in, you know how they do online articles now and so forth, everybody was chiming in, that's so true, that's so true. And the reason why is because we've been raising our kids for the last 10, 15, 20 years to say you've got to go to university. And so after they've done four or five years at university, or for some of you 10, 17, 18 years, after they've done, you know, four or five years at university, you know, they're in their mid-20s and then they go and they apply for jobs, they finally get a job, and then they get an apartment and then they realize, wait a minute, I'm 28 years old, I'm not married, I don't have a home, I don't, I don't, I don't. I don't know if this is the, really the career I want to stay with. It's just what I started doing. And oh my goodness, I've lost time. And the world is going, uh, going away. And, and children in Africa are still starving. And I saw that on this, fa- uh, on this post. And, and then also on social media, I saw that my friend who graduated with me is now making 10 times what I'm making. I hate them. And they all of this pressure. So they're now calling 28 the new midlife crisis point. Good luck, young people just want to say, those of us that are a little older, (laughs) you ain't seen nothing yet. (laughs) U.S. companies last year spent $300 billion due to stress-related health issues with their employees. $300 billion was lost because of the pressure of what's going on in their work environment, and it's causing them health issues. 77% of workers uh, said that physical, they experienced physical pain related to the work pressure. Not being injured, that's a whole other category. Just I, when I get home, I've got pain because of the pressures of my job. 73% said that they're experiencing psychological pain related to the pressures of their job and the work that they do. 43% of workers say they lay away at night because of the pressure of work. 60% said pressure was so bad that they wanted to change careers. 60% of you in this room, and not you because you've been regenerated and the Spirit of the Lord's walking in you, but 60% of the population says, I hate my job, the pressure of it is so much, I want to find a new career. Friend, that's more than half the people. No wonder they're mad at Burger King. No wonder I can't get a good hamburger. No wonder they hate their job. Look at this. Road rage has gone off the chart. More than 90% of people today are driving, commuting to work every day in traffic. One out of three drivers that live in the largest cities in the United States, one in three drivers that live in the big cities, spend over 40 hours a year in traffic jams. That's a week of your life. Come on, somebody. Oh, my goodness. Listen to this. Um, Because of the extra traffic on the road, AAA estimates a 7% annual increase in the amount of road rage every year. 7%. Imagine if you had 7% yield on your investments right now. 7% increase. It's going up. Come on, somebody. This is crazy. 56% of men... 44% of women state that they experience road rage from another driver every day. Almost half the people on the road, somebody is causing road rage. That's because y'all, y'all causing it right there, I'm telling you right now. It's because you were sitting there praying, loving Jesus, somebody cut you off, and you started blessing them with words that cannot be uttered in the presence of the Lord. And then you taught them a lesson. You went around them and slammed on your brakes. You taught them, you little road rage suckers. (laughs) 
And then you get to work, and by the time you get to work, you know, you've had all this road rage, you couldn't find a parking spot, you get to work, and one of the coworkers goes, hey, this document that you didn't fill it out yesterday properly before you left, and you're like, ah! And you take that pen and you jab it right there in that juggling. And just... Pressure in the workforce, in the workplace, and whether it be stay-at-home moms or university students or just whatever venue you're in. And so today, I wanted to kind of look in the scriptures to find solutions and what God said and an example of what biblical people did in some of those most pressurized moments. So we're going to turn to the book of Daniel. We'll start in chapter 2. The book of Daniel talks about, uh, about Daniel. Daniel is considered later, not as, as uh, in his lifetime, he's not considered a prophet by, by the Israelis or the Jews or whatever or the people of Babylon. But later, as his book is out, we consider him a prophet. A prophet in these days because the portion of the book of Daniel is so prophetic and it show, it, he sees open vision into the end times and the last days and these prophetic pieces. But Daniel basically is a young man, as a teenager, Babylon conquers most of the known world, Israel being part of that, and they take those best of the best young men from the noble families, more than likely, of Israel, and they bring them back with the Babylonians into their capital city, and they begin to train them to be leaders in their kingdom, in the Babylonian kingdom. And the Bible talks about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or their other names that we'll look at here in just a second as well. And they, they became some of the best. They were the, they were the best trained. They, they walked in such character and integrity. And Daniel ended up being just such a great spokesperson and, and just such a man of character in business. And basically his position in the kingdom would be like a governor. Or uh, it, He started off you know, just working in city government, if you will, and uh, there in the palace. And so he more than likely uh, ended up being a eunuch. That's a guest. We have no real clarity on it. But nowhere in scripture does it talk about him having a family or a spouse or anything like that. And usually in those environments, they would uh, do that to those people so that there could be nothing else but focus on the kingdom business and they wouldn't get sidetracked and families and blah, blah, blah and whatever else are some of the key reasons. But we see that in Daniel chapter 2, there's this moment where the king has this dream. He has a vision from God. And he brings all the wise men, all the Satan worshiping, you know, uh, super spiritual people together. And he says, this is what my dream was. Tell me what it means. And no one can give him the interpretation of the dream. And so the king gets so angry, the king of Babylon gets so angry that he decides to have them all killed. And let's pick up there in verse 12 of Daniel chapter 2. And it says, and this made the king so angry and furious that he ordered uh, the ex- uh, execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death, and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. And when Arak, Ariach, uh, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. He spoke to him how? With what? Wisdom and tact. That's why you hadn't gotten a promotion yet, because you hadn't figured out how to speak with wisdom and with tact. Well, I just tell him what I think. That's your problem right there. You don't know how to talk with tact. And he speaks to him with wisdom and with tact. Verse 15, he asked the king's officer, Why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Ariok then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went in to the king and asked for time so that he may interpret 
the dream for him. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And he urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. And then Daniel woke up, excuse me, Daniel praised the Lord God of heaven. What did he do? He Praise God of it. Can I tell you something right now? If you was about to be killed the next day and God gave you the solution, when you woke up, I guarantee you'd start praising God. It wouldn't be none of this little, you know, this little prayer. I just bless you. I just thank you so much. I'm just so grateful that I get to live. Just, you're so good. Amen. God bless you. I, I don't think it'd be like, Hallelujah! I mean, you'd go all charismatic on it. I promise you, if your life was spared, because God gave you a download of what really was transpiring and how to save your life. Now, I want you to picture this. I don't know how bad your job is. But I can't imagine that your job could be this bad. You didn't get the report file, and so now they're going to kill you. I struggle to think that, I mean, if, 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 I mean, if, if you don't do your job properly and you're going to get killed, let me just give you some advice. There's this new thing called the Witness Protection Program, and you need to go ahead and get out of the mafia because it's a matter of time before you get killed. Daniel, I would say he got a pretty tough job and it's pretty pressurized. Wouldn't you say that? Say yes. I mean, this man's under pressure. And so as he gets the edict that he's going to be killed along with all the other wise men and his buddies, he asks the guy with tact and with wisdom, Hey, man, uh, so why are we being killed again? He goes, well, this happened. The king had this dream. You know, he's, you know he's crazy. And so he tried to get all the wise men. I don't know where y'all are at. Well, man, we was, out, we was on vacation. Y'all can't call a brother? <laughs> well, all I know is he said, oh, y'all got to be killed. So come on, let's go. Hey, hey, can you, can you give me, let me just go have a little quick word with the king. And he goes into the king's office, sir, excuse me. Excuse me, listen, um, since I'm going to die tomorrow, can I ask you a, qu- a quick question? Please. No, I, mean, I don't know how he said it, but he said, could you give me an extension since I was out on vacation? I didn't even, can I get a chance at this, me and my buddies? And, you know, we serve the real God. And I promise you that he'll tell us what's up. You tell me what that dream was, and I'll go ask the Lord, and he will give me understanding. And so the king says, okay, I'll let you. He extends the deadline. Can you imagine? Can you imagine he gets home, and he says, hey, dudes, listen, y'all get around the table. Listen to what's about to happen. We're going to die unless one of you hear from God. <laughs> now, how about that pressure for that sermon? If it ain't good, we kill you. <laughs> you better have the word of the Lord. And so they're like, okay. So can you imagine? I mean, listen, even if you don't have a prayer language, you'd be making up a prayer language at that moment. Peanut butter, peanut butter, peanut butter, jelly. Speak heavenly host. I mean, you would be doing something. And so in that moment, you know, they, I guess at some point they said, well, I guess we're going to die or God's going to do something. And they go to bed. Can you imagine? And in the night, he gets a download. And he goes and he tells it and not only saves all the other wise men but saves his own life i'm telling you that's the kind of pressure that you and i don't ever want to live in but we have these kind of pressures in our everyday work life and god wants to give you wisdom even through this passage look at a couple things that he did number one he stays calm daniel stays calm he's like oh really hmm you think you'll be all right if i go talk to the king before you slice my throat open blood's everywhere you have a quick moment with him you think that'll be all right he stays calm Part of your problem is the moment you hear a little whisper around the office, you start wigging out. Stay calm. He's your God. He's for you, not against you. 
Stay calm. Walk in the peace of God. God's got you right in the palm of his hand. Here's the next thing he did. He asked for an audience with the boss. He asked for an audience with the boss. Can I, and, and then once he got that, he asked for an extension with the boss. Listen, you're so busy, many of you, and the gossip around the, water, around the coffee pot... And, oh, did you hear what they go? Oh, my, I can't believe he's doing it again. He's crazy. I'm going to tell you right now. I don't even know why I even work here. They're so crazy, and I can't, I can't put up with this. I can't, I can't do it. Listen, what Daniel just, he went to the boss and sat down in his office. He said, listen, you know, with wisdom and tact that he used with the other gentleman, he used it with him. He said, do you think maybe we could extend this? God gave him grace. Stop standing around complaining about everything and go with wisdom and tact to the boss, when you have these kind of moments, and say, can we talk about this? Because I think making, selling 10, uh, uh, 10 cars today is not going to happen. So could we extend it to something else and give me a chance? And then the last thing he did was he said, and let me give a chance to ask my God for a supernatural solution. Can I tell you something? God don't want to be your God on Sunday service. He wants to be your God every moment of the day. He don't want you to just help you and people minister to you whenever you're here at the Sunday gathering. He wants to minister to you and through you in your job, in your home. And friend, when you leave him out of your business every day, you are a foolish individual. You should wa- wake up every morning and whatever business you're in, whatever you do for a living or whatever you do in university life, or whatever, and say, oh God, I need supernatural experiences today. God, I cannot fix what's going on in our office. Lord, I can't fix my coworkers. They're all full of the devil. God, I need a supernatural miracle from you. And friend, will he not do it? He did it for Daniel. He gave him a word that transitioned it all. It all went... All the pressure, all the turmoil, all the stress, all the worry. And one download from God went... And peace came. It's amazing. In fact, do me a favor. Pull out your phones. Let's get, let's get a quick, pull out your smartphone, all you smart people. Pull out your smartphone. If you're still working with a bag phone, never mind. But <laughs> saved by the bell, brick phone. Okay, so pull out your smartphone. And let's do a quick survey here at the church. Let's do a quick survey of the pressure that we all feel. So, so put it up on the screen. Uh, the pressure of your job comes mostly from... Now, here in just a second, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have you text me your answer, and we're going to just see a survey of everyone in the room, okay? And here's, here's, here's your options. The pressure from my job, whether it be, again, stay-at-home mom, dad, whether it be, you know, you work in the oil field or you, you work white-collar, whatever kind of work you do, you're in the university. Number one, the intensity of the workload. Number two, your boss or your coworkers are number three the circumstances that are beyond your control. So give me a second, let me explain it to you, and then we'll go about texting. The pressure of your job comes mostly from the intensity of my workload, or no, that's not so bad, the boss or my coworkers, I, I can't stand them, I want to stab them all, or number three, the circumstances that I can't even tell you about because it's not proper for me to say these things in church. Whatever it may be. Okay, now, then what you'll do is you'll open up your phone, and you'll literally text a number. So you can't text me because my number's not in your phone. So you're going to text this number we created, 469. That's the number you put, you, you put in uh, of the, the, the phone that you're calling or texting. 469-606-2684, R-C-O-T-H. Six, uh, 469-606-C-O-T-H, R-2684. Then in your message, you either put one and send it, two or send it, Three or send it. That was pretty simple, right? Did I get that clear? It was about as clear as mud. Let's try it again. So, oh, there you go. Oh, wow. 
already 48% of you are circumstances beyond your control. Look at you, look at you logging in right there. Okay, oh, but in a, this is totally different from first service. This is hilarious. Okay, so, so at this point, 47% of you think it's because of circumstances is causing the stress. Circumstances out of your control. And, uh, and uh, yeah, there you go. So here, here's your options again. One, the intensity of your workload. Two, your boss or coworkers. Three, the circumstances beyond your control. Everybody got the number? You're able to do it? Moving quite, go back. All right, so uh, 29% of you right now say it's because of the intensity of your workload. That's because you keep saying yes to everything. Number two is your coworkers. Listen, you got to stop working with your spouse. I'm telling you, save your life. <laughs> and number three, you know, circumstances beyond your control. I know, I know, I know you signed up to play basketball and you're only five foot. So that's not going to work, professional basketball. All right, so I think we're kind of, st- look at you still logging in there. All right, so, so our biggest in this service uh, is uh, the pressure of your job mostly comes from circumstances beyond your control. Uh, number two, it looked like, was the uh, intensity of your workload. And number three, can we show them the screen of what was last service? Last service was a little different. The majority of everybody last service was more honest that they actually have taken on more than they should. And, uh, and, then, uh, and they were also more honest and stopped blaming it on all their coworkers when it was really their own fault. Just saying. And then, uh, and then uh, the circumstances beyond your control, that's just simply because Miss Jamie, that was her idea and told every one of you guys to pick that one. That is true, because that was her point. Turn with me quickly to Daniel chapter 6. We're going to see a second big pressure moment in Daniel's life. A second huge pressure moment in Daniel's life. As if, almost not getting killed, because no one could translate the vision, uh, wasn't enough pressure. Years down the road, we find him at this point, God is really using him and has promoted him to a height that is unprecedented. He's about to be second in charge. He's about to be vice president of Babylon. That's about where his position's about to take him. At this stage, he's already, uh, as we read through and understand scripture, he's already uh, read through the book of Jeremiah and realized that he's been in sin over the years and he's repented and he's instituted uh, um, 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 the, the law of Moses, the laws of God into his everyday work habits. So we see him being full of integrity and character and things like that. And he's instituted these, these teachings of God into his everyday work life. And as a result of it, he is literally being prope- propelled to greatness in, in, the, in the government fast and furious. And so if you'll pick up with me in verse 1 of Daniel chapter 6, it says, And it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. All right, so, so he's got this vast kingdom, and at this point, most of the known world. And so he takes 120, if you will, governors, and he has them ruling all the little areas. And then he puts three administrators, the Bible calls them, over all the 120 governors, of which Daniel is one. And as you keep reading, you'll see that he's looking to promote even past that. And the satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might, might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators that the satraps, by, and the satraps, by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators... And the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in the conduct of his government affairs. He, they tried to find something he wasn't doing right 
and conduct in his government affairs. Isn't that shameful that we can find so much stuff in the people that are now in leadership? But they, and they keep reading, they tried to find something, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy, neither corrupt nor negligent. I'll pause there for a second. Years ago, I had one of the members of our church come to me and say, Pastor, just pray for me. I just, had just, I just got fired from my job, and I'm just telling you it was so horrible, and really, we ought, we ought, I ought to sue them. What are you talking about? Well, they just treated me wrong. And really, it was because I was a Christian and I was standing up for my faith. And they are anti-Christian there. And really, we've got a cause for, for, to do something against it. But they just mistreated me and mishandled Finally, they just fired me. And it's persecution, Pastor. And I just want you to pray for me as I've gone through persecution. I got so aggravated about it that I privately went to that company. I knew that, 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 that group. And I went and I met with that boss. And I sat him down. And I said, I can't believe what you've done to a member of our church. Can't believe what you've done. And did this and did this. And then fired him over this, that, and the other. And that person looked at me and they said, well, obviously you don't have the whole story. Let me tell you about the member of your church, your good Christian person. First and foremost, they were never on time. They were always 15 minutes late to the job. Second of all, they never worked. They stood around, quote, witnessing to all the co-workers so the co-workers couldn't even do their job. And then when we would confront them, they would say that we were persecuting them. And the guy would say, I'm a Christian. I'm not persecuting you. Do your job. And they wouldn't even do their job. And he said, and so finally we just couldn't take it anymore. We're losing so much money, so much productivity, that we finally had to let them go. And when we fired them, guess what they did? They stole $200 out of the cash box. Can I tell you something? It ain't persecution a lot of times. A lot of times it's because you don't walk in integrity when it comes to these things. You want to depressurize some of this stuff? Walk in the ways of the Lord. And look, it says they could find no corruption in him. He was trustworthy and he wasn't negligent. Well, I just can't help it, you know, I just, I just can't help it, I just can't help it. I mean, that's why some of you got, got to smoke so much, it's because you're so nervous. You're like, oh my God, they're going to fire me because you won't do your job right. Do your job right. Don't be negligent. Prep for it. Do it right. Do it well. Isn't that good? Say yes. Come on, I'm just preaching the truth. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy, neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis of charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. We can't find any corruption. So we've got to find something to do with the law of his God. Something about what he does. You've got to understand, by this stage in Daniel's life, he's an older man. He's been at this thing a long time. And he has found that the only way he's been able to depressurize, the only way he's been able to overcome things is every day, three times a day, early in the morning, he opens the window, he gets down on his knees, and he begins to pray to his God, Oh, Jehovah, I need you to do miracles. I don't know how to reign and rule in all these people. I don't know. The, the king is crazy. Some days he'll do this, some days. But, oh, God, work on his life. Oh, God, help me to translate what he wants done and do it well and do it properly. And he does that three times a day. He does it, he does it in the morning when he wakes up. He does it at lunch instead of going and having lunch with everybody else he goes home he spends his time in prayer and he does it in the evening when he gets home and he's done that three times a day for how many known years he's just done it over and God has blessed him and God's promoted him and God's expanded him and caused him to walk in character and integrity as he's learned the law of God and so they said we got to do it we got to get him there so they went to the king and they caught a king in a weak moment oh king you are so amazing king you are like a god in fact king we think you are a god and all the other little gods that all the babylonians worship they're not really gods king you are god in fact what if king we should take one month and no one should pray to any other god but you and anyone caught to pray to any other god but you should be executed they should be they should be killed the king's like yeah, you're right 
I am a God. I'm powerful. I rode a world. Living space. I mean, you know, oh. And so he said, okay. And they slip the paper in before he knows what I mean. He signs the decree and it goes out. No one praying to any other God. Daniel gets that decree. He says, oh, wow. Check that out. And that day when he got off the work, he went to his balcony, opened his doors, got down on his knees, and started praying and worshiping his God. If it had been our era, all those little dudes would have been sitting there with their iPhones. <laughs> filming it. Instead, they had to get a bunch of people to see it and know it. And, they, and then they brought it to the king. They said, oh, king, one of your leaders has disobeyed you. They have taken your word as though it was dirt. King, we are humiliated for you are a God to us. Your, your words as though the sun speaks itself. And king, you decreed that they should be put to death. And we agree. Who is it who has done this thing? King. It's Daniel. And King's like, oh, my best man, bro. That's my dude. Oh, no. Oh, my goodness. What am I going to do? So he goes to Daniel. And he says, it has to be done. And may your God shut the mouths of the lions. So they throw him into the lion's den. Come on. You, you studied this in BBS. You saw the VeggieTales version, right? But the Bible says, that the lions won't even open their mouths. Can you imagine them lions? They sit around, they, and they starve these lions, so the moment that they throw somebody in, they'll attack them and eat them and kill them. Them dudes, they've been fasting for weeks, and they finally throw some fresh meat in there, and, like, and God is there with him. Like, oh, you got to be kidding me. And one lion looks at another like, man, did we get messed over, bro. I know, but I'm so hungry. What if I just nibble on his toes a little bit? What if I just lick his skin just to get some of that salt flavor? <laughs> Good Lord, that's a lot of money. How, how about for a quarter I get to lick it? And he's, he's just looking at it like, and just licked it. Come on, have you ever fasted and somebody ate a steak in front of you? And you're like, can I just, can I just lick it? <laughs> you know, those lions are going insane, man. They're like, <laughs> And the next morning, the king throws open the lid. Daniel, did your God save you? He said, oh, long live the king. My, king, my God shut the mouth of the lions. And he said, pull him out. He said, for Daniel's God is the God of heaven and earth. And he says, and take them jokers and throw them down in there. And everyone, they didn't even hit the ground. The Bible says, ah, I mean, they had steaks for dinner. I'm telling you, they went through those jokers so fast. They were with the bones, picking their teeth. I want you to understand something. We can learn from Daniel. This is in the workplace. This is not in the church. Or in his family, at his house, dealing with his kids. This is pressure on the job. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about? And so there's a number of things that we can learn from it. And here's a couple of things that I want to, I want to give you biblical solutions to, uh, to, uh, to the pressure that you're feeling in the workplace. The pressure that you're experiencing in the workplace. I want to give you biblical solutions. We'll take it from these two passages. Number one, you need to ask the Lord for supernatural help. You need to. So, so you know, Pastor, I am struggling. I don't, need, I, don't, I don't even want to work here anymore. Friend, ask the Lord for supernatural help. He's your God. He loves you. I don't even want to go to school here anymore. I never knew it was going to be like this. I got a professor who's out to get me. Ask the Lord for supernatural help. Ask the Lord 
super, super ha- how to deal with the conflict that you're experiencing there on the job with your coworkers, with your boss. Lord, give me supernatural understanding. Lord, I, I literally, they are all jealous. I mean, these people were jealous of Daniel. Come on, have you ever been in that environment? They're just jealous of you because you're, it's working for you. You're being promoted and things like that. And they're jealous. God, literally, Daniel said, oh, God. God, you've got to give us the solution. That first part, portion that we read in chapter 2, he said, and plead with the God of heaven to give us understanding, to give us a revelation of this. Let me tell you something. You need to ask the Lord, Lord, I don't know why this is so hard for me. I can't get this system. They brought in a new system, and, I, and I'm supposed to be trained on it. I can't get it. Oh, God, I need your supernatural help. And stop trying to, can I just add this to that? Stop trying to climb the corporate ladder. Because here's the problem with climbing the corporate ladder. You've got to step on people to get above them. And I'm going to tell you, it's going to end up biting you on the behind. If God called you, then he will sustain you and he will promote you. You don't have to. Listen, I'm telling you, I used to live in pressure as a young minister. And, and I thank God I didn't have social media when I was a young minister. Dear God. And hearing what so-and-so is doing, and we ain't do that. that that's amazing. they got more people showing up. Ugh. Oh, I'm a little older now, a little bit more mature. This ain't, I'm not climbing the ladder. I'm not, trying to out, I'm not trying to outdo any other church in the city. I'm just doing what God told me to do. And his favor is upon us in this moment. I'm happy, happy, happy to do my job and what God wants me to do. And friend, just do your job. Just do what God's given you. And listen, he will promote you as you put his laws into play. As you walk in him, he will promote it. He will cause, they, they won't be able to stop the favor on your life. They can't stop it. Like, everybody's against me at my job. Friend, I've had people that literally had, had co-workers trying to get them fired. And at the end of it, we went through a six-month period of this, and us praying and asking God for a miracle. God, do something supernatural. You know what ended up happening? That co-worker who was their boss, and who had a kind of, they, they put them in a goofy position. They were, their, they were their co-worker, but also kind of a boss in certain situations, but not in others. That person ended up getting exposed for doing some things, and was removed. And, and the person in the church who was serving God, the best they knew, was promoted even beyond that position and got a raise and a bonus to boot. Come on, somebody. If you will stop trying to climb the ladder and just experience what God's doing and make wherever you're at the greatest place it could be. And listen, he said, I just, I, I'm embarrassed that I'm a stay-at-home mom. When they ask me, where's my profession? I just, where kids, I, I didn't think this is what I was going to be doing. Friend, look, just be the best stay-at-home mom. Be the best stay-at-home. Make those kids so bright and brilliant. Like, let me tell you something. By the time they're 28 years old, they'll rule the world and you won't have to do nothing they'll buy you houses and mercedes and stuff and you can tithe really good to the church all right number two number two and that is you need to learn to walk in peace none of these scenarios did daniel get upset about it we don't see him oh oh." he's not texting his friends oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god i don't know if i should pray today or not they're gonna be watching i don't know and he put on Facebook. I mean, he, he's, he, you know, he's not Instagramming. You know, I just had some people out there trying to hurt me. But my God will take care of me. He will. He ain't doing none of that. He went straight back to his place, opened his doors and prayed. Walk in peace. Can I tell you something? Peace is something you have to cultivate every morning. Yeah. He said, well, I can't just have it. Yeah, you can have it. You can lose it just as quickly as you had it. Come on. You know what y'all do to me all the time. People walk up to me, Pastor, God did it. You've been praying for us to get jobs. I got a job. It's the, do you like, oh, it's the greatest. God is so good. 
Let's see you next week. Man, how's the job going? Oh, it's, it's a devil. I hate it. I ain't never going back to that place. It's this, this problem and this problem. It's like, it was awesome last week and it's bad this week. Why? Because peace can be fleeting if you don't hold on to it. Wow. And cultivate it. Walk in it. Peace of God. Remember what's our key scripture? Remember, let's go back to our key scripture. And it says it like this in, in John 16, 33. I have told you these things so that, you, so that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have trouble. He's not saying you might. You will. You thought you got. Listen, you saw all those preachers on TV say, you'll be so blessed. You're going to be so blessed. You get saved, you'll be so blessed. And you're like, I ain't blessed. It ain't working. It ain't working. Yeah, but that's because they sold you a bull. I stopped right there. So short. That was so good. I'm such a man of God. They, they, because, yes, you are blessed. But you're blessed in the midst of the trouble. Our identification of what blessed means is that we're, ex- we're, we're removed from it. And that's not what it says. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, because I've overcome the world. I've whooped it all. Just be at peace. Let me do what I do. Let the time frame happen. Let it go forth what needs to go forth. Can I just help you? A couple thoughts on walking in peace. Let me just help you with something. Don't expect promotions and, and all these things. Don't just accept them just because they give them to you. Ask the Lord if this is what you should be doing. Because you'll take on more responsibility. And listen, when you're you're gifted, people love to use you. When you're the hardest working person there, they're going to keep giving it to you and let the lazy person do nothing. Have you ever noticed that? Be wise about those things. I'm not saying don't take the promotion. I'm not saying don't take on the extra responsibility. But pray about that. You can't figure out, I'm dying. I'm di- For $100 more a month, keep your $100. I've told them that before. Hey, it ain't worth it. I love you. It ain't worth it. Because your $100 and these 16 new additions to my responsibility, my job description, I'm going to stab you in the night one day. It ain't worth it. Keep your $100, man. I will be happy, happy, happy and keep driving this Honda Accord. Because that $100 ain't going to get me a Mercedes anyway. I'm going to just keep on trucking and leave work and bless you and love you and go on home and be so excited about Jesus and life. You give me that, heads will roll. Here's another thing about cultivating peace. Just a couple practical pieces. When you get up in the morning, you've got to begin to cultivate peace right then and there. And my encouragement to you is that you begin to put on your worship and begin to worship God. Y'all, that little road rage you have, that's because you listen to Fox News every morning. And you think everybody's the Antichrist. Or you've been listening to CNN. And you know they are the Antichrist. You got all this stuff. Listen, they're reporting bad news to get your attention. Your grandparents didn't know all that stuff. They didn't know who was dying in Syria. And they didn't know whose foreign policy didn't do right. They didn't know anything about, you know, Miss Clinton, you know, doing something wrong with her email stuff. And this one doing that. The poor libertarian guy this week didn't even know what part of the... Anyway. He did, they, don't know all, they didn't know all that. So they just went to work, did their job, came home, did what they did. They didn't have all that information come to you. Look, turn all that off and get downloads from heaven so that you can walk in peace when you get to do your job. That, it's just that simple. So when they cut you off and get in front of you, you can roll down the window and say, I bless you. Woo, you can't steal my peace. Nuh-uh. You can't do it. Now, you need you some. You, church on the hill. Come on over. We'll help you. 
Get them demons out of you. Keep you from wanting to kill yourself and somebody else. Come on, somebody. I tell you what I do every day, and I'm grateful for it. I'm so grateful to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I pray in tongues like crazy. And I'm telling you, I pray in tongues like crazy, and the peace of God will just come over me. Even with this message, I was so stressed out about this message because I had to, in a short amount of time, prepare four messages in a short amount of time. And not only that, but I'm used to, you know, really ministering to it at a high level, right? And so, you know, I didn't want it to be low, and you're like, oh, wow, that sucked. And so, oh, well, come next week, please. He's better sometimes, you know. I don't, so I, I feel those pressures and stuff. And so, you know, I start, I'm wigging out, and I just start, you know, I said, forget this. I'm going to take my own sermon. And I started just praying in the Spirit and worshiping God. All of a sudden, God started giving me downloads. I was like, now, this stuff is easy when you walk with the Lord in peace. The third level, we got to go. Come on, get this one down. The third biblical uh, solution to the pressure you're experiencing in the workplace, uh, 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 in your education system, if you're being uh, in college or something like that, is that you need to live by the laws of God in the workplace. We need to live by the laws of God in the workplace. I don't know why y'all think that's for church and it ain't for everywhere else. It's as much for the workplace, it's as much for stay-at-home moms and dads, much for university students or high school students or junior high students as anywhere else. The laws of God. You say, what laws are you talking about? Oh, I don't know. Things like, um, don't steal. Well, I, my, my, my kid's got a project at work. I'm going to need this duct tape, I'm going to need this stapler, and I'm going to need this glue. Well, I got the gas card, and Lord knows I do enough for the business anyway. I might as well just go ahead and use it for what I'm doing today. I don't know laws like don't covet, you know? Like you got so much conflict because you, you want your buddy's job. You're coveting that job. You can't enjoy the job you got. I don't know things like Matthew 18 that says that when your brother or sister offends you, go to them. Instead of gathering everyone against them, you know what else they told me? I can't believe they told me that. They did the same thing to you. Look, look, we're going to go get, listen, I tell you what, look, look, you talk to the boss today, I'll talk to you anymore. We're going to get them out of here. How dare them come up against us? Oh, hi, how you doing? God bless you. So glad you worked with us. Oh, amen. I had a young man come to me. Uh, he attends the third service. Good looking African American kid, brilliant. I say kid, he's 25, 28, range, somewhere like that, he, midlife crisis. And uh, <laughs> so he got this new job, and, uh, and I guess this is common these days, this is a, a bigger company, and so they did a four-week training there on the campus of the, uh, of the, of the place. And so uh, he said, you know, first day, you know, they're sitting in classrooms and all these new people being hired and took them through HR and so forth, and so they've got these people training. And this one particular trainer is uh, some big wig in the company or something like that. And he said, uh, he opened up with, now listen, while I'm teaching and while I'm talking to you guys, you will not text, you will not call, make phone calls, you're going to put your phones down, you're going to listen to one So everybody's like, oh, okay. Well, a couple of days into it, the guy's breaking his own rule. He's texting people. Okay, now back to point number seven. And uh, he's, uh, he's just going to take this call. And so one particular time, he took a call, stepped out of the room. So they're all like, well, they started texting and stuff. So the guy came in and he picked on our guy. I took... I told y'all not to use your phones. What are y'all doing? What are you doing? You should know better. Come out in the hallway with me. Guy's like, man, I'm 20-something years old. This man treat me like I'm a kid. And so he took him out and railed him and that kind of thing and brought him back in the classroom, embarrassed him in front of everybody, and kept doing that as the weeks were going on. And so this young man came to me after service. He goes, Pastor, I don't want to work there again, but I felt like I should ask you for some wisdom. What should I do? I said, you should Matthew 18. The, the word of the Lord works. He goes, what does that mean? I said, well, the Bible says you go and you confront them for what they've done. 
And uh, if they don't listen, then the Bible says you take somebody else with you a second time and say, this is, we all see this. This is what you're doing. And if they still don't listen, the Bible says you cut them off. And so uh, I said, so you need to do that before you start talking about you're not going to work at this job. God gave you the opportunity for this job. You need to follow through with it. But if you can't handle it now, you won't be able to handle it down the road. You need to put the laws of God into the workplace. And he goes, okay. And he said, well, how do I do that? I said, well, this is what you do. You grab him up. Next time he embarrasses you or does something like that, sit in the class, you say, excuse me, can we talk outside? I said, snap your finger like that, too. Say, can we talk outside? <laughs> and you get him out there. I said, you get right there to the edge of his nose right there. And say, listen, sir, um, I'm concerned about the way you're treating me. In fact, I feel a little bullied. You did this, and then we used our phones, and then you've been pointing me out. I don't know if you have a problem with me, but if I've done something wrong, I want to make it right so you'll, you'll stop doing what you're doing. Because if you don't, I'm going to go to your boss. and Because uh, this is inappropriate in the, work, in the workplace. He goes, I really should do that? I said, oh, yeah. I said, and then you tell him, say, look, I'm a grown man. And you're going to treat me like one. I treat you with respect. You're going to treat me with respect. And right now you're in authority, so I submit to that authority. But you're not going to misuse your authority in my life. And I, just want, I want to do right by you before I go around you. I want him to see if you and I can make this right. He said, just like that? I said, just like that. He goes, all right. <laughs> he came back the next Sunday. He was like, pastor. <laughs> I said, how'd it go? He said, I did just like you said. I said, what did he do? He went, man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that to you. I, I, I have a tendency to fixate on somebody, and I must have done that. I, I apologize. Will you accept my apology? He said, and I said, yeah, absolutely. He said, guess what? He calls on me now for all the answers and stuff. I'm his favorite one. I said, I guarantee you that dude's going to promote you. They're going to end up, you're going to run that company. Why? Because you do what the Bible says to do. Bring the laws of God and the workings of God into your workplace like it's supposed to be. Stand with me all across the room. You guys have been a little slow in your listening today. So The kids' ministry is about to <laughs> lose their mind. Thank you, guys. You were so gracious. I'm sorry I went a little long. I want you just to close. Uh, you know, do this. Grab hands with that person next to you. I think it would be uh, foolish of me to say, uh, let's pray for those of you that are feeling a lot of pressure in the workplace or the university or high school or wherever. I think we're all feeling that, that pressure right now. And so let's do this. Let's pray for one another. I don't want you to pray for yourself. I want you to pray for the person on either side of you, and you'll get covered in prayer as well. And let's ask God to give us supernatural breakthroughs. Let's ask God to teach us how to cultivate, protect, and walk in joy. And let's ask God where we can, where we missed the, His laws and where we missed His teachings and His ways of doing things in our businesses and in the way that we've been doing things in university life and the way we've been doing things in high school. Let's ask Him to show us that so that we can depressurize so that we can walk in the joy and the peace of God. Father, in Jesus' name, as we pray for people on either side of us, Lord, we just cry out right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we, God, we just ask you to reach over that, that, that pressure valve and just begin to deflate it, God. Lord, just begin to show us, oh God, we, we've taken that too seriously. We don't need to be so upset. You're still in control. Lord, that we stop trying to climb that corporate ladder and just say, you know what? God's got it under control. He said that I would be somebody great, so it's in His timing, and I'm just going to be faithful to what He told me to do. Father, I pray right now for those of us that are struggling with co-workers and bosses and and uh, and, and those that uh, are employees under us oh god that you would just give us words of knowledge words of wisdom right now in jesus name on how to love them how to treat them with respect how to get that thing broken off that toxic environment right now we speak life into it and command the 
the power of the supernatural God that we serve to turn that thing around in Jesus' name. And Father, we just speak right now, Lord, where we have missed it, where we have lacked integrity, where we have lacked character, where we have not obeyed the laws of the Lord in our business, in our workplace, in our university experiences, in our high school experience, that you would just right now in Jesus' name correct that so that we can walk in peace and joy. And when everyone else is wigging out and losing their mind, we'll be being promoted and we'll be being used greatly by God and the greatness of God will rest upon every person that gets close to us. That Lord God, that you will bless our businesses, you'll bless our, 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 our college experiences and our high school experiences, and that we'll know that God is with us forever and ever and ever. Amen. Would you keep your head bowed for just a moment? Just bow your head just a moment. You can release the hand next to you. I would be remiss to gather all these beautiful people and stand in front of you representing the King of Glory and not express to you how much he wants a relationship with you. He would be so angry with me if I didn't call you home, those of you that are wayward. His heart would be broken if I didn't give you an opportunity to meet him for those of you that have never known Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I think he would probably eventually remove me from my position as a representation of him. If I did not warn you about the end of this life and the things to come thereafter. And yet tell you of the blessed hope. And the joy of making Jesus your Lord and Savior. And serving him all of your days. Friend, today if you're away from God. Maybe you used to serve the Lord. But life has happened. And you stepped away. He wants you back. Maybe you say, Pastor, I've, I've gone to churches and I've, you know, I've prayed some prayers, but I don't know if I've ever made Jesus my Lord and Savior. Friend, I know that feeling too. Here's your beautiful moment. You say, what do I have to do? Nothing. He did it all. You needed to die and pay for the penalty of your sin. But He did it in your place. And His blood covers every sin you've ever committed and you'll ever commit. So well then what do I do? You just simply respond to him. The Bible says you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. He then will empower you with his Holy Spirit that you may live for him and you'll start changing. Your desires will start changing. The old wickedness won't mean as much to you anymore because you have him as your Lord and his Holy Spirit remake, remaking you into his image. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if I'm speaking to you right now, I say, Pastor, I'm not a Christian. Or I used to be, but I'm away from God and I want to come home. But today I'm ready to make Jesus my Lord. If that's you, quickly lift your hand and admit that to the Father. And let me pray for you. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Oh, gorgeous, gorgeous people. I love when people are real and honest. I don't do well with pretentiousness. I, I don't do well with fakeness. Anyone else? Thank you for your honesty. You, you so bless me and you so bless the Lord. No one's looking around, just you and God. Say, that's me. I'm ready to get right with the Lord. Give you about three more seconds. You can put your hand back down once you lifted it. Make sure I see you, but wave it real high. Anyone else? God bless you. Thank you. Anyone else? Pray for me, Pastor. I see you. You can put it back down. Amen. It's been a ton of you. Anyone else? Amen. Now, I want to lead you. You can put your hands down. I want to lead you in a prayer of repentance. In fact, I'm going to get the whole congregation pray alongside of you 
There's nothing magical about the words. What's supernatural is that you lifted your hand because you sense God. And you're ready. And you are ready. You say, well, what if I mess up? Good, he'll clean it up. What if I don't do right? He'll make it right. Because he becomes your daddy. And daddy's fixed things. I want to lead you in this prayer, and I want you to mean it with all of your heart. All across the room, say it like this. Say, Jesus, today I surrender. My life, my wants, my desires, and I declare, Jesus is my Lord. I ask you to cleanse me from all the unrighteousness. Wash me from all the sin. Here and now, I declare, you are my Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Write my name in your book of life. And I promise to serve all the days of my life in Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed. Father, I pray for those who lifted their hand. Right now, I pray that they would sense, that they would know in their knower that they are forgiven. That, Lord, the old doctrine that someone told them that they got to keep doing good things to be accepted by you, that that, would, that lie would just be washed away right now. That they would know that they're yours, that they're accepted. That, that they... They, they signed up. They signed, they signed it. And, and, and you said, yes, you're mine. And God, in this moment, Lord God, may they feel the peace that surpasses all understanding. May in their depths of their heart, the joy. And all the lies in their mind. You're not going to do it. You're going to go back smoking dope. You're going to go back doing cocaine. You're going to go back doing that thing. You're going to go back to your way. No, no, no. God, would you just quiet those lies? Capture them, Father. Squeeze them till they don't exist anymore. And let hope rise and faith arise in this holy moment in Jesus name and all God's people said amen and amen